Football Friday presented by Mountainland Supply, where the pros go for plumbing, landscaping, irrigation, agricultural irrigation, HVAC parts, tools, and safety equipment. Find a location near you at mountainland.com. The Utes getting ready to play Washington State, Pac-12 conference opener for the Utes. For Washington State, they lost to USC last week. Questions, PK. Questions everywhere. So you defense going to hold up? There was improvement from game two to three there, but we haven't talked about it because we've been talking about the quarterback and the offense. I don't think the defense has played poorly yet. Even though they got pushed around in the second half by their coach's own admonition? Inside they did, sure, yeah. I didn't think they were bad in the first half at BYU. I thought they were actually very good in the first quarter at BYU. Those two turnovers in the short fields, they handled that well. I mean, it didn't get out of hand. No. But they didn't get the stops they needed in the second half. Well, yeah, they needed tons of stops because the offense wasn't doing much. Yeah. All right, it's time to bring in Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. The best estate award winner, Smart Rain, is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchase. The offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit SmartRain.net to schedule a demo today. Alex, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Good. Depending on which of the local college football teams we talk about, there are varying levels of confidence. And I suspect... When we talk about Washington State football, you would say the same thing. Varying levels of confidence. Times they look yeah, good, times when they don't look good at all. Yeah, I think that's a uh, fair assessment. Um, you know, in all honesty, the I think week one, obviously against Utah State, which I'm sure you guys followed, was you know was a pretty big wake up call in the end, in the end for for Washington State. You, know, you get kind of a a game in week two against Portland State that you're able to get your feet back underneath you. And, and the first half against USC was about as good as it, it could have been. I mean, probably the best half of football that we've seen from uh, Nick Rolovich team um, over the last couple of years. And then it all just fell apart, really kind of heading into, I guess, the last possession for USC heading into half. And then and then the whole second half, Washington State really, really struggled. Gave up 45 points unanswered. Couldn't score. Couldn't stop them. And now you're kind of left with the same feeling, if not worse, than, than that week one loss to Utah State. So what's going to happen at quarterback? Hard to say. I mean, Jaden Delora, uh, who was the backup going into the season behind Jared Garantano, who was the uh, University of Tennessee grad transfer, um, and took over for Garantano when he got hurt in week one, uh, he got nicked up against USC, came out of half with a knee brace on. We're not really sure, honestly, what – uh, what the injury was, uh, Coach Rolovich has said this week that he's he's doubtful that Delore will be able to go, um, and, and has said that two guys, Garantano coming back off injury, and then uh, obviously former Utah high school superstar Cameron Cooper will be taking reps uh, the bulk of this week. So it's going to be interesting because Cooper was kind of thought to be the third guy throughout, you know, as camp ended, but then he was not the guy to come off the bench when Delora got hurt. That was a uh, walk on Victor Gabalas and, and Gabalas struggled. Um, and Cameron did pretty well when he got his chance versus USC. So it kind of sounds like, uh, uh, between Garantano and Cooper, those two guys are getting ready to go. But again, you never know. We'll have to see. 
So that would suggest that Washington State needs to lean on the run game, and Max Borgie did not do much against Utah State, and then he broke a really big run that was important in the flow of that game. Uh, can they, they count on him? He, he kind of got taken out of the SC game just by the, the score. He ended up with 13 carries, which, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but shouldn't he be like a 20, maybe 25-carry guy? Maybe 25 is too much, but 20 anyway? Oh, I think you're 100% right. And I honestly think that's been a huge issue for Washington State through these three games is Max Borgie not touching the ball enough. Um, even against USC, I think he got 10 touches in the first half and only three in the second. And, and that score, I mean, there was a time where you know, you're within a touchdown or even two and you can lean on a guy like Max Borgie because you alluded to against Utah State, he's kind of a big hitter, right? I mean, he'll rip off a 67-yard run if you give him enough touches at some point. I think for Washington State to be successful, they have to lean on Max Borgie and Deion McIntosh. So far through this year, they haven't committed to it. you know. And I think the run and shoot under Nick Rolovich and OC Brian Smith, they want to have balance, but it obviously leans towards being more pass-heavy. Uh, in this scenario, I just don't think you have the horses uh, to be able to throw the football consistently, both quarterback-wise and then you know receiver-wise, they're pretty thin on the outside also. So when you got a guy like Max Borgie, you know, he's got to touch the ball, and Deion McIntosh is a close second as far as uh, skill level. So those two guys, I think if the backs for Washington State have 30-plus touches, carries, or catches, uh, I think Washington State can win this football game. Yeah, and you look at it, too, the Utes have suffered a major injury up front defensively, and uh, they had the Bell with San Diego State. They were a run offense, and he had some success. BYU-Algier was just, I think, under 100. So they've been... They didn't have a big uh, per carry, but anyway, they've been able to move the ball against them on the ground, which is somewhat of a surprise. So uh, I would think that they would come out and run it, uh, uh, Washington State. But I don't know about Rolovich, though. Is it, Would he make the commitment that he needs to make to be able to do that? Well, so far, again, through three games this year, you haven't really seen it. Last year, you know, they came out in week one against Oregon State, and Dion McIntosh rushed for almost 150 yards. He rushed for almost 100 yards against Oregon. They were, you know, they were pretty committed to it against Utah again in 2020 until Utah uh, really blew the doors off in the second half. But so I think it is in his DNA to do it. I just, I'm not honestly sure why it hasn't happened this year. And to be fair, you know, Rolo's not necessarily calling the plays. Brian Smith is, but the, the, I think for them to be successful, as you alluded to, you know, this Utah defense is having its struggles right now um, and is not nearly the unit we have seen it be in, pa- in the past years. And so for Washington State, they have to control the football. And, and you know, whether the Utah offense has caught its stride under Cam Rising or not, you know, uh, we'll see. But I think Washington State has to have more of a ball control mentality than trying to throw it all over the yard. So USC obviously presents problems, but uh, Utah doesn't have London at wide receiver. So, you know, there's that. But they do have Kincaid and Keithy at tight end, and those guys can make plays. Can the Washington State defense match up with those guys and handle tight ends? It's a good question. You know, Washington State's defense, in all honesty, throughout this year, you know, I feel like they've played pretty well. Against Utah State, they played really well. and just got kind of worn down at the end by tempo, right? And that's something we've seen, I think we'll see from Utah State throughout this season, them due to teams. But, um, you know, they and against USC, again, they played pretty well other than once they started chucking the ball up to Drake London, who's a tough matchup for anybody. Um, and so, you know, I think what's 
Utah is going to look at is where USC had some success is both with Drake London and a couple other wide receivers, they ran them kind of down the middle of the field and created matchups on their on Washington State's linebackers. Um, and that would be where Team Tate and Kiki fit in, obviously, uh, when you're watching tape. And so I think Washington State, Washington State will address that issue because so, it was so glaring against USC. But it does lend you to believe that, you know, those tight ends can be tough matchups for Washington State's linebackers who are veterans and talented players, but physically they're not in the same category as, as those two tight ends, in my opinion. So I think that's a place for you know Utah to be able to exploit Washington State. But I will say that the safety position and kind of the nickel position for Washington State is a strength. Armani Marsh at the nickel spot is a really smart, savvy player, veteran. Um, uh, Daniel Isom at the safety position is, is same same spot. So if they get those guys involved, I think that'll help. But then, of course, once you do that, it opens up opportunities on for guys on the outside potentially, and you know that will be where Utah will have to prove if they have the guys you know to take advantage. I'm interested to see what Utah can do in the run game against the Cougars because you look at SC with Graham Harrell; they're a throw-first offense. They bring in Dart off the bench, and he's throwing the ball like crazy, and he's got an old-world receiver. We already talked about him with London, so it made sense to do that. But that's not who the Utes are. And they're more, you know, want to run the ball and then use that to set up with the pass and all that stuff. So you didn't get a really good feel defensively uh, on what Washington State would do against a run team. How do you think they would fare against the Utes who usually want to run the ball? I think Washington State in the front seven will be pretty stout. You know, because USC, although Graham's been a, you know, it, it is a version of the air raid, the you know, USC being kind of running back U has forced him to try and run the football. And so he tried. He tried to run the football with, you know, Malapai and, and some of those guys. I mean, they, they have good backs. And Washington State really shut it down. Um, and so uh, even against Utah State, you know, they got a few chunk plays. But for, for the most part, I think the front seven for Washington State is strong against the run. And uh, like you're saying, if, you know, if Utah's going to commit to that and Washington State can stop it. Well, now it, it limits that playbook a little bit for Andy Ludwig. So I, I'm going to be really intrigued. The one thing that I know Coach Ludwig does really well is he's going to scheme some things up that's going to put pressure on Washington State, moving sideline to sideline, and then trying to hit, then trying to hit things downhill. Um, so we'll see because against Utah State, wh- who gets people spread out and goes sideline to sideline, Washington State got worn out. So I'll be interested to see if Coach Ludwig, in his own system, tries to do something similar. It doesn't get that much run because, well, quarterback, offensive line, running back, defensive line, you know, the Utes have had issues in different spots. But the Utes special teams, which used to be very good, have not been good. And Kyle has addressed it. Two kickoff returns for touchdowns, a deflected punt. Uh, They've missed extra points and field goals. (laughs) And we're only three games in. That's a pretty long list. How is Wazoo in the special teams, and can they take advantage of the Utes there? You know, they, they're good. Uh, Terrell Harris, uh, it, the kick returner, is one of the best in the country. I mean, he's been uh, around for years. He's, he's got a great kickoff return average, has, has returned one in his career for a touchdown and gotten close a couple other times. So he'll put pressure for sure on that kick, kickoff unit uh, for Utah. Washington State replaced uh, a punt, their punter and kicker from last year. were both great players. Um, so far, punting-wise, it's been consistent, nothing spectacular solid um and in the kicking game again pretty consistent missed a couple uh missed a field goal early in the year against utah state but otherwise been pretty solid and so i think washington state's solid no glaring issues 
you know, one of the things you'll find with stuff teams is you never really know you have a problem until <laughs> until it happens, right? I think that's where Coach Whittingham is kind of probably looking, you know, shaking his head a little bit because of how solid they have been. And then, you know, guys, whether it's schematically or effort-wise or just or just flat-out players not making plays, uh, all of a sudden things start popping up and you gotta you got to address them. How fun is it going to be to play a day game, not in the rain? Yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a – I mean, it's going to be probably a change for these these kids a little bit, right? It's pretty early. Uh, you know, the weather was not good in, in Pullman last week. Um, and then the late kick versus Utah State. So I think in the end it's going to be a nice change. I know for me personally it's a, it makes for a little bit easier travel than those late kicks. I know from the youth's perspective, if they lose this and they're one and three, I mean, all the complaining and uh, – and pain and gnashing of teeth we've heard, it's, it's going to double down and triple down. Is it going to feel the same way if Washington State loses this? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, there's I mean, there's obviously a lot of other outside noise, right, that the program's experiencing around Nick Rolovich, so you start adding on-field pressure <laughs> onto that, uh, that snowballs real quick. And so um, I think right now y- you look at it and you say, hey, you lost a tough one to, to Utah State kind of late is what it is. Utah State's clearly a much better team than they were in 2020. Uh, you beat up on Portland State, who you're supposed to beat up on. You lose to USC, who probably going into the year, most people expected you to lose to USC, um, even though you had a good half of football against them. You know, so beating Utah on the road rights, rights some of those wrongs, kind of get you back in, in the right spot. Um, but losing to Utah, now all of a sudden those things really start, it start – you start wondering kind of how far it slides if you lose to Utah at this point in the season. Well, Alex, we appreciate a few minutes. You enjoy the 80-degree temperatures and the sunshine because sure. who knows when yeah, you'll get you those wait. two things again. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Alex Brink, Washington State football radio analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Pretty early in the year for high stakes, PK, but neither team wants any part of one and three. I think every game is high stakes, though. Um, Yeah, you're right, but you can go down every single conference game coming up. It's just gigantic. That's the whole nature of conference games. And they, so much right now, early in the season, obviously every earlier in the season, you want to get off to that good start in conference. You want to get some momentum. Now it's more of a dire situation for Utah, something they literally haven't been in in many, many years. And now they find themselves in this. And it's just one victory can change so much. I think they're going to get it. And the mood in the program Saturday afternoon around 4 o'clock is just going to be so much so better. So much better. Yeah. You just need to walk off the field with a win. It just feels different. They don't play that many games. It's why the games are high stakes. Mm-hmm. And you need that vibe. They need to go into their new locker room and sing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get all that yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They haven't sung now in a while. And then, then we'll hear about the bye week comes at the perfect time, and they got two weeks to get ready for USC, which I'm going to be sitting here saying what a huge game it is again. To your point of the conference games, they're usually huge games. For one reason or another, you can draw something out of it. Yeah, and they'll be 1-0. and they're, All they're going to be talking about is 1-0. They're not going to be talking about 1-3. <laughs> How many times about, will Kyle say that? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're going to talk about. They're going to spin it and try to get everybody that's thinking funny. in that direction and that mindset. And they're going to be 1-0. We're 1-0. We're 1-0. Yeah, absolutely. That's ex- precisely what they're going to say, and they're going to say it repeatedly. And I don't have any problem with them saying it. And then they're going to regroup for a week, and Kyle's going to say, well, if you add it up, we started in August, and here we are at the end of uh, September. So it's like, you know, just play all these mind games. Like, 
whatever. Whenever the the buy is the buy. Whenever the buy is, that's when it is. So what? Just make the best of it. Don't don't try to sell me something. It doesn't need to be sold. That's why I hate when people try to sell me something that doesn't need to be sold. Because if it's right, it speaks for itself. It doesn't need to be sold. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He'll be on the Ute game this week. He's on the Colorado game last week. And, of course, he's next to Brent Musburger when Brent is screaming, Jackpot, baby! He'll join us. Lincoln Kennedy, 905. Half an hour away, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started! This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Blake Anderson, head coach at Utah State. Obviously, all of us are looking at your quarterback right now, wondering how his health is and what the potential is for him to play in the upcoming weeks. Oh, he'll play. He took a tough shot. He really did. And he could have probably played, but just didn't feel like he could be very effective. And Andrew came in and did a phenomenal job, obviously, with his legs and made some big throws to help us win that thing. But I think he'll practice without a problem. He'll be sore, but would expect on game day that he's ready to go completely. He's tough and he's been beat up before. I think uh, just that particular night, the back was just at a point where he just didn't feel like he could be as effective as Andrew was and and he told us, Coach, I I think he's got a better chance of getting us through. I just don't think I can turn on the ball like I need to. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJPK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Thank you, Mark Miller Subaru. Absolutely. Knowing what we know after three games, what are the records of the local college football teams going to be? How is this going to play out? Your predictions are welcome now. In terms of storylines, I love where we're at. Because we got good, bad, and I don't know, not sure. You know, it looks like BYU is going to have a really good season. Utah State has the potential. Utah 1 and 2. Where's this thing going? And, and in a sense, this is a new ground for Utah. Literally is because they're always 3 and 0. Right? And so they're always going into conference play with all sorts of momentum. And 2 years ago when we had a real conference season, we didn't have one last year obviously. Their first game was against SC, and they lose. They somewhat startling fashion. Third string quarterback, the Rat Fink, Matt Fink, coming off the bench because Daniels was down. Slovis goes down. He throws those passes. Those NFL guys catch him, and Kyle says, "They're not going to go undefeated. We'll be fine, man. No one's going undefeated. We can win the rest of our games." And they did. That was way cool. And now we're zero and zero. They faced adversity two years ago, and they rolled. Now I can hear people screaming through the radio. Look at the team they had. They had eight guys in the defense that went to the NFL. They had the career-leading rusher. Yeah, I got it. So it was more of a – I was sure two years ago they were going to have a really good season, even if they didn't win the division. Right. What Kyle left out when he said that was SC had to lose twice. And you knew the Oregon game. Okay. They can lose that I think game. Washington got them. Yeah. And somebody well, else has got to get them. And Washington did. And so then they were good to go. And they, they beat the eight teams they had to beat. Yeah. And got them to the title game. But, what but they had a got, great team that year. What they've got going for them now is this team doesn't look anywhere near as great as that team. Nope. But this division doesn't look anywhere as near as good as that division. Uh, was that division SC's good? SC's already got a loss. 
If you well, can, yeah, but that's okay, but that means they already got a loss, so the sense of urgency is going to be even greater. Right, but if you get them, you're two games up in the loss column with the tiebreaker if you go beat them. Yeah, you really control that. If you beat them, you're going to win the division. Woohoo! Most likely. Almost every year. Especially when the ball game's down there. Where? Oh, down there. I didn't mean down there, but now you said down there. Yeah, down there. I, I don't know why, but that <laughs> cracks me up. What I was thinking is that means you have another home game here, and it's not SC, so it should be easier. You know, if you get them down there. Still got to get UCLA, ASU, see if these teams But you got can, those ball clubs at home. That's good news. Exactly. So while this Utah team doesn't look anywhere near as good as that Utah it, it team. It just doesn't, no. This division... Doesn't look as good as that division. SC was the main challenger that year. SC was picked to win it this year. But Stanford did the South Division a favor by beating the Trojans. So anybody in the South can say what the Utes are saying. Well, if we beat them, we're two games up on them with a tiebreaker. I think the division this year looks better than it did in 2019, though. Uh, If you want to say that there's more average to decent teams, that could possibly be true. But there's two horrible teams. Yeah, but they always sucked. But there could be two horrible teams and four B-minus teams. You always beat them. Yeah, that's true. So you're always going 2-0 against the Arizona and Colorado most of the time. So you could argue that UCLA is better than they were two years ago. They, no, they most definitely are. And ASU is probably about the same as they were no, two I years think ago. No, no, you, you were starting a fresh. No, oh, you think you were starting a fresh. Both teams were starting freshman, first year freshman quarterbacks. Right. Come on. But there is more to football than that. Well, and UCLA, I agree with you. UCLA is taking steps forward. If ASU is going to jump offside four times in the same drive, you can have whatever NFL sure, first-round pick at yeah. the wide receiver spot, and the quarterback is obviously They're more They're still better. Okay. They're still better. At the top, SC and Utah. They didn't play better Saturday. And at the top, got S- me there. SC and Utah don't look as good as they did Yeah, but you're, you're not playing yourself. You do have to battle that <laughs> other team, though, and it doesn't look as hard as it did. Although SC uh, won it that year, and we'll see if they win it this year. They didn't win it the, two years ago. The thing is, oh, they won, they the, won game. the game. That's what I was referencing. Yes, they won the game. I don't, the know, thing that, is, I don't know that SC's not as good as they were two years ago. Okay, but is, no matter how much Slovis we, was a freshman, Ratfink was a third team. Okay, but no matter how much we try to wrap this in sunshine, the goal is to win the conference, and the division is the first step. So I don't want to underestimate it because you got to win the division or you're not in the conference title game. But right now, Oregon, which looked like a push in a good game. Okay, so what? That's your goal, and so yeah. you finish uh, nine and three. Yeah, yeah, come on, man. That's a great season. You're probably ranked, and especially nine and three at a one and two start. You got them going eight and one. Who's wee wee in on that? Well, I just don't think they're going nine and three. I would. I, I would not wee wee on that. But you got them going eight and one, and I know they got to play Oregon. And Oregon's still way but down. But you just told me SC isn't as good. You just told me <laughs> ASU isn't as good. And you just told me UC Los Angeles isn't but as good. But just because you've got a toss up or maybe a slight edge in four or five games doesn't mean you win them all. Are you going to go four and one in those five? Are you going to go three and two? They start the conference two and zero. Oh. Look. Oh, yeah, yeah. If they start 2 and They're right. fired the freak up. I agree. <laughs> and so those other teams. What if they're 2-3 and three and 1-1? One and one? Eh, sort of running in place a little bit. Let's see what that complexion of that game is. Yeah. Down air. Where? Down air. I like it. Yeah. They battle the Trojans and the Trojans make a play or two. That's sports, man. 
So Utah State, did you just undersell them there? You want to back up and reanalyze that? Coming off one and seven. Talk seven to me, seven talk to and me, five. Talk to me lunchtime Saturday. Which anybody who's reasonable about it. Let's go out to lunch. We'll talk about it. <laughs> you buy. Saturday? Yeah. <laughs> We're busy Saturday until four, and then you got a bike ride. You already covered that for us. You have no time for me Saturday. No, we could go to a place as a sports bar that has a TV and watch the game. Oh, the like second that. half of the game. Where are we going? And you buy me lunch. Where are we going? Like you name it. As long as it's something high class. <laughs> you can have a sports bar. You can have a glass. How many places have multiple big screen TVs and then linens and all your fine china? And your, your house. Six courses. Your house. You, you have not been Your house. house. You're, you're right, because you don't ever freaking in, invite me, the, whereas you've been cats, inside my the shack. Cats, the cats. At, you do not live in a shack. You have been inside <laughs> you, my shack. You do not. I have not been inside you not, your Current shack. Spacious. You have not been in the current shack. You have been in the other shack. And you don't live in a shack. Stop it. Well, I I do. But knowing me and my proclivity, we call it love shack. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Tim! Are you rusted? (laughs) Rusted. How's that, Yawk? Is that better? Heading down the Atlanta Highway to play Georgia in the national title game. So, that's the whole point. Here we are going back and forth, back and forth on these things. I think and that's the beauty I, I of just, it. What, what is the word that you attach to Utah State? I thought you undersold it. What do you mean? I think Utah State, this is a great story. One and seven from the ashes. Seven wins right now, to me, seems like the absolute minimum. Yeah, but they're not going to be satisfied with seven wins. I totally agree with that. So what, I but think I think what Niner- level of success are they going to have? Yes. Yes. But I'm not willing to go nine wins just yet. It might not happen. Totally agree. That's what's intriguing. That's what I'm saying. It's a great story. This yes. Is, it's, it's hard to believe it could be a better story than BYU. I think BYU is going to be the better team having the better season, but that could just be the bias that I had built in in August before I'd seen any of, well, ever seen Blake coach or seen any of his 18 transfers go out there and tear it up. After watching that offense struggle last year, the thought that they have two quarterbacks who can perform at a high level, <laughs> best case scenario, Utah State fans. <laughs> it's like, hey, they, the only team they moved the ball against, maybe I'm missing a game, but I think the only team they moved the ball against last year was New Mexico. Right. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. It was pathetic. They right. didn't even look like a college team. And now, team. hey, Bonner's out. Just start chucking 70-yard touchdown passes and breaking off 60-yard runs. What's the big deal? They didn't even look like they could beat New Mexico Military Institute last year. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I follow Blake Anderson, I mean, because I have a little bit, having had a grandmother's wife's grandmother in Arkansas. And even if you didn't, you could look and, it up and And, see. and also, too, that position, as the head coach of Arkansas State, has been a springboard. Gus Malzahn, uh, uh, Harson, Right. And those guys were there for a short time. His record is probably better than it and, looks on paper because they have to play multiple money well, games. Yeah, but that's why you, that's why you look conference. Right. Yes, I, the get other past, stuff, I, I, get, I don't even get pay past attention to that the non-conference. Yeah, you just games. look at conference. Right. Last year wasn't, or the year before wasn't good. Uh, but other than that, well, not last year wasn't good. But before that, they had uh, a whole bunch of successful seasons in in conference when things are more equal. And that's what that's the way you judge that stuff is what they do on a more level playing field. And I knew he was a good coach. 
And he's so far so good. Absolutely. Uh, but mm, let, let's let's. I really feel like we'll get a great indication of the legitimacy of greatness. Not goodness, greatness. Because if they beat Boise, then it's legitimate potential for greatness. BYU's going to roll this year. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yeah, now I don't think Jaron Hall's going to play Saturday, but I don't think that it matters. I think they'll be just fine with, with Romney. And they'll go out there and they'll beat... Charlie Weiss Jr., who's the offensive coordinator for the Bulls. Did you know that? I did not. Charlie Weiss Jr., yeah. Charlie Weiss, my guy, he grew up in the town right next to where I lived in Persephone. Booten, that's two miles away. And uh, his son is the uh, OC there. So I think obviously they're going to go to 4 0 and sets up. I, I really would love two 4 0 teams in a couple of weeks. Best case scenario, I would have. I would have bet everything I owned that you wouldn't have had two Forno teams on an in-state game. That's why I don't bet. That's why we love our unscripted <laughs> drama. That's, That's why I don't bet, is. man. That's why I do not bet. It's a, it's a gamble, and I ain't gambling, gambling anything. No, with my money, I'm going to Trajan Wealth. <laughs> what? I'm a company guy. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's T R A J A N. As you know, eight nine nine seventy six hundred. You got, sh- you got bonuses. Shoot that over, big guy. Get you off got, my back. You got bonuses <laughs> built in for product placement during the show. The number of clients you can. I've reference got bonuses a built discussion. in each time I speak the truth. <laughs> okay. I get a buck a page view at KSL, uh-huh. and here I set records when I write that stuff, man. It goes over there. And I know Scotty's laughing right now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, DJ PK. He says, let's go. I don't want to go. I want to stay. We'll be back in about five minutes. Okay. Lincoln Kennedy, Raider radio analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's going to join us in 15 minutes. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. As I consider what Kalani was talking about, that they're trying to not necessarily reinvent anything. They just want to do things better. That's how you have a great season. Keying in on what you can do to be better for this next week. Not keying in on what happened last week or the week before. And when you play South Florida and the Cougars are, what, a 23-point favorite, the last thing the Cougars want is to lose to a team they're better than. I would guess that the coaches are showing them their mistakes on film and saying, you're certainly playing good football and winning the game, but got to get this block, got to run this route, whatever the yeah. may be. That's what we're going to find out this weekend, whether they let up or whether they're powering forward. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join the Big Show Friday at the warehouse from 2 to 7 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> Boom. Boom! The replies are rolling in, and some of them don't make all that much sense, PK. No reply at all. Genesis, old school. Ben Jorgensen says the Utes are going to go 8-4. and four. That's 7-2 and two in conference. I assume that means lose to Oregon and one other time. Right now, I think a lot of you fans that sign off on that. 7-2? and two? Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, all things considered... 
could win the division. With a bunch of players scheduled to return next year? I think I would take that right now, yeah. yes. I think a lot of you fans would sign off on that. Utah State, nine wins, three losses. Three, huh? Means going six and three from here on out. That ain't getting it done. Ain't getting what done? The division? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No one of the losses could be a non-league game to BYU. Okay. So that yeah, would leave true. them at uh, six and two. That may or may not get it done, but it probably wouldn't. You're right. Yeah, I want to see what that Boise does. If Boise comes out and just smokes them, then that's a whole other story. BYU, 12 wins, one loss. I don't know where they get the 13th game. I don't know if there's a typo in there. Could be fat thumbs. Maybe they met 11 and 1. Oh, hard to pick a bowl game. You don't know who they're playing. Doesn't matter. If you're that oh. good, who cares? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so who's the loss? USC who? or the bowl game? Uh, there you go to the usual suspects there. I think you got to put uh, right now, it's the two, the three power five teams and uh, Utah State or Boise, right? Virginia, Baylor, probably not Wazoo off what we've seen. I'm not counting that as a loss, no. Yeah. No, I'm not. That'd be crazy if they lost to Utah State and then won out. <laughs> the Aggies were the one and 11 and one. That's the reverse of the year that they won one basketball game. Yes. <laughs> and it was Utah State. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was a, was a 96, I think, somewhere in there. Uh, I think it's a possibility of only one loss. I mean, why not? That would, that would just be incredible. Jameson went with 10 and 2. But he's got the youth at seven and five and USU at eight and four. Ten and two is really good too. Absolutely. When you're playing seven when they got seven to... power fives. Mm-hmm. And you go ten and two. We're gonna go to the schedule again. That's the beauty of it. That's one reason I want to see. I mean, I love Kalani, everybody does. And so I would love to see them. But it buries whole schedule argument. Yeah. And, and no yeah, you're gonna go two years in a row? Yeah. Yeah, it was a schedule. We gave you last year. Yeah, but it was seven power fives. Yeah, so, plus Boise no, State no, and a resurgence. But those power fives were good this year. <laughs> <laughs> Florida athletic director just had a quote about uh, they've got it. He said, "I've said for a long time we have to schedule power fives." He says, "I don't think that's true anymore." He says, "There are clearly power five teams that aren't that good, and there are clearly teams that are not in the power five that are good." Now well, that's something been we've. The case. I know we've said that forever, <laughs> but it's surprising to hear an SEC athletic director say it. I don't think they've said it forever. And that's not the bottom of the SEC saying it. That's Florida. But that's, that's clearly obvious. the top third of the SEC. You, you see yeah, that in the non-NFL rosters. Agreed. There's plenty of guys from the Mountain West and so forth and all those things. Right, AAC. It's not that unusual. Yeah. they got dozens if you combine them all. So, um, come on, that's not that. I don't think that's a that's sunrise in the east to me. No kidding. I've watched enough non-Power 5 football over the years to know that. To see good power. Yeah, to see good football. All right, DJ PK coming up next. It's Lincoln Kennedy, Raider analyst, Pac-12 network analyst. He's calling the Ute game with Washington State on Saturday. And then he'll have the Raider game. We'll talk with him next. Stay with us.